my DNA from above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. G'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast, the best job in the world. Now, this is number four because we did humble beginnings. We did the most influential images and because you asked for it, we did Marlin Techniques, which I'm glad to say has been a massive hit. But this time, I'm going to do things a little bit different because we've had a lot of emails and messages and questions about how do you get a job like yours? What do you have to do? But you know what? I'm going to case study just one week and show you what we do. But better still, I've got a guest because you asked for that as well. You wanted a guest. So I've got, and this is pretty big news. If I had a drum roll, I'd make it work. I've got the Aquaman's stunt double. I'm serious. I've got the Gem Penny, the one and only. And if you go to my Instagram account, Alma Glashen, you will see him on there right next to, I don't even know what the bloke's name is, the Aquaman bloke anyway. And I tell you what, these two look alike. One's slightly larger than the other. One's a little bit uglier, but you can decide. You go and have a look and you decide. Now, Jim has another talent. Jim, welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast. And tell me about your Instagram numbers. Thanks, mate. Hi, everyone. Uh, well, I just uh, checked them about a couple of minutes before I got on air, and I'm up to 236. 236,000. No, 100. 236,000. Yeah. As in 236, nothing. That's it. Pretty much it. I thought you had 236,000. I thought you were blitzing, mate. I can't even believe 236 people care what <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> well, you know what? Now that I know the truth about it, I thought because... The funny thing is, the first time Jim ever filmed with us, we did the bluefin day. Now, Jim had never caught a bluefin. Rang up, said, the bluefin are on. Let's get out there. Let's go. We've got to go. Raced out there. And how long? You've been trying for a few years to catch a bluefin. How long did it take to catch a bluefin? Well, we pulled up there and you're like, oh, where are they? Where are they? What do you mean, Vinny, for 10 seconds? You're like, oh, there they are. I said, kidding me. Chucked a bait in. I don't know. What, 10 seconds? Yeah, at the most. Yeah. Bang. Zzz. Best sound you can ever hear, that drag spinning. How good is it? And that was one of the best shows we've done because we were, you know, the bluefin turned up the back of the boat. But the funny part is, and this, well, not the funny part for me, when it went to air, so it was on Fishing with Mates, which has been on Netflix, Sportsman's Channel over in the US. I think they're running on the, the World Fishing Network as well. And, of course, Channel 9 here in Australia. Jim's watching it. And he's getting text messages or, like, what do you call them, those messages, online messages Facebook from girls. Message. Facebook message from girls. I've been doing it for 10 years. Do you think I've ever had a chick chase me, send me a nice message? Not one. I thought it was you pulling me leg. I should have been doing it. I should have been doing it. Now, let's get back to the topic. So, got you in here. Just to basically reiterate what it is with the week in the life of, you know, making fishing with mates and filming. So you've done a few shows now, you've worked with us for a few years. I want you to tell them, like, basically, how hard it is. It's not an easy job to go and film, is it? No, it's a lot of time. Like, people don't see, like, we will fish all day to catch one fish. We'll do an entire week to catch one fish. People don't understand. And once you've, you've got to get that shot. If you miss the shot, you've wasted it. And when you get that shot, you've got to get back home at the end of the night. You know, we fish from 5, 6 in the morning till 8 at night. And you get home, and then you and Nick are downloading footage to your cameras and your computers till, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. It's all right for me. I'm sitting out the front having a beer, but you're still doing the tough stuff. The best job in the world. I'm just about to swap it with Jim because he's now got the best job in the world. But all right, let's show everyone because we've had a few people asking us about, you know, what are you doing that an average week? So let's do, this is the last week we've just had. Now, Jim, you were doing night shift. Yeah, so I was working for my company. We'll give them a plug, clean away. Yeah, give them a plug. They're pretty good. They let me have a few days off. So they're a good company. They're, you know what? They're an environmental company. They do waste management. Come on. We're, did, we're all waiting. <laughs> so I did a night shift for them. I started on the Sunday night, 14-hour night shifts. I finished on Thursday morning, and I would give me a ring during the week. He goes, come, we're going to go fishing for Kings Victoria. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. So I finished work. I got out a bit early. I finished work at uh, 5. I got over to Al's place by about 10 to 6. Got him out of bed, mind you. And then um, we got in the car and drove down to Nara to Shalabin Marine. Hang on, hang on. Well, well, let's go back a step. So when you say we drove down there, the idea was because you, we're going to Wilson's Prom in Victoria. Now, that's 14 hours towing. It's a big mission. So the idea was Jim and I would share the driving. 
How much of the driving did you do, Jim? Ooh, let me have a think. Well, we... Oh, zero. So he slept the whole way. I think he was awake for part of it. You woke me up when you tried to not run over the snake. Yeah, there was a tiger snake crossing the road. So we drove down to Nara Marine. So Nara Marine had my Merc. They'd just done the service on it, which is one of those new 250s. And I'm telling you, I'm in love with that puppy. Yeah, she is awesome. Then we went to your dad's place at Aladulla. And then we drove down. Now, this is the hard part. We drove past Eden. So this year's been a pretty terrible marlin season, but the only bite, and there's been a good bite with lots of bait balling, has been Eden. How bad was it driving through Eden and not stopping? Oh, I've been hanging for the marlin this season, especially after last season. Like, I went from catching no marlin to I couldn't put a foot wrong last year. We caught marlin every time. I think we had a double figures day there even at one stage. And they're like, oh, yep, it's going off at, at Eden. Then there's me and you driving past, giving it a wave. So and, this is the best uh, job in the world. This is, so everyone goes, you got the best job in the world. So our mates, Jeff and Brody, were out there on, I think it's Relentless Pursuit or something like that, on one of the bigger boats, getting oh, four, five, six, seven fish a day, and Jim and I drove straight past. And that's something people don't understand, that when you're doing this type of job, you've got a commitment. We are going to Victoria. The boys at the Complete Angler wanted a Victorian kingy fishing show. That's They said, we've got to do one. So we'd booked it all in. We had everything organised. And we drove past the bait balling marlin, which we've been desperate to film for ages. And instead, we're going straight past it. Yeah, that's all we've talked about. Oh, yeah, you got your new housing. I was even going to jump in and have a swim with you. Hang on. I haven't got the new housing. It still hasn't turned up. It's two weeks overdue. I need the new housing. But anyway, let's keep going. So we drove straight past. And this is the thing people don't understand. It's the best job in the world. But sometimes you miss the best bites in the world. Yeah, it's hard to make those decisions to drive past the good fishing, especially when... You know, we have a pretty good kingy bite occasionally in Sydney. Yeah, I'll tell, mm, yeah, tell you what. This is part of the issue. Our kingies in New South Wales have been dropping off. Like, let's face it, it got better. Recreational anglers fixed the whole issue. The commercials for the floating fish traps stuffed it. Recreational anglers went out there and pushed the government to do their job. In fact, you know what? I reckon the fisheries minister that was at the time is now in prison Labor Minister, I might add, for stealing funds and doing the wrong thing or embezzling or doing, you know, some corrupt thing. So we had to fight to get it fixed. Now it's getting better. And no, it's getting worse. So it got better for a bit. Now we're overfishing them again. Now these idiots go and put marine parks in and go, that'll fix everything. What do marine parks fix? Nothing. They just stopped Aussies going fishing. That's all they bloody did. And you know what? Every time, Jim, every time I'm doing, sorry, I get passionate about this. Every podcast I do, I'm going to hit those moron greens that sit in the city, the most changed environment on earth, sipping their little lattes and doing nothing but whinge for the environment. They do nothing. But I think a big lot of the problem is us anglers have got a lot better at targeting those big kingies. We've got to stop knocking them. We need to be letting them go. We, we've got a little rule in the boats we fish in. We will not keep a kingie over a metre. We need to let them go. They're just way too good to catch once. That 80 centimetre kingie is in trouble if he comes in our boat. Yeah, but straight away. So here you go. Already, anglers are leading the way with conservation. And what are they doing? We're already letting all the big breeders go. But what does the government do? Pander to a bunch of moron greenies that don't know anything, that don't even want to go to these places and lock us out. It's frustrating, I'm telling you. Frustrating. Especially when it's a minority too. It's not like it's the majority of people. They pander to minorities all the time. They should be looking after all us knockabout blokes that just want to go fishing and have a good time, be outside in the sun and the water. And you know what the trick is there? Is that we, as the majority, are all out working. We don't have time to go and yell and scream in front of the government. We have to go and work to pay for our families, especially here in Sydney where there's more and more traffic. It's getting harder and harder to live. And they turn around and go, yeah, and we're going to go and do it. You know, I'll tell you what, all you government blokes need to pull your finger out and start listening to majority. And we've got an election coming up here in New South Wales, and we've got a federal one as well. If you lock us out, we will vote you out. It is that simple, and that is the majority speaking. Yeah, I agree. We've got to watch um, this Labor Party too. They've said they're all fishing, but... Mate, I wouldn't trust them as far as I can throw them. You know what? I don't trust any of them now. I'm sick of it. I used to be a Lib supporter and I'm over it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in seriously, the same boat. They don't look after us. But enough, it always ends up with politics. But you know what? We have to have it because if we don't fight for it, we get screwed. We do. So 
Now, so we drove all the way down to Wilson's Prom. Now, Wilson's Prom is a beautiful national park down in Victoria. And while they do have a small lockout at the bottom end, Marine Park at the bottom end, which, you know what, you should be able to catch and release kingies in there, but I'm not going to go into it because at least in Victoria, you can fish a large majority. It's not like New South Wales where they try and lock you out of every single fishing spot and then claim that it's helping. At least down there you can fish. So we went and got Kevin... Kev came down, so Kev's from Traugan, mad keen fisher and a mad keen hunter, came down and met us because he was a local guy. Now, he promised big kings, didn't he, Kev? He did promise big kings. He said, they're all big, they're all big. And we went out the islands, we went out, now what was it, it's a seal group, wasn't it? Seal group and rabbit first. I don't know if rabbit's part of the seal group, that's where we got the bait. It could be separate, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was on the inside. So And we saw the first king there. Yeah. Within, I don't know, I think I hooked one slimy and the king, he swam up under him. I think the boats that were trolling outside us were catching kings early. Yeah, there were there were other boats there. And how good's that? You know, like we're saying about when you're filming, the pressure of filming, people don't realise how hard it is. Because if you don't get the fish, is one thing. But if you don't get the shot of the fish, you haven't got a show. Yeah, well, you've got to catch the fish on cue, mate. When does that ever work? It never happens. It never happens. So we went out, caught a kick. Caught a kingy there on the bait grounds and went, how good is this, John? And then went out to White Rock. White Rock, yeah. So, which was right next to Syrox. So these are basically around 10 miles offshore from Corner Inlet, just out from Port Albert. And you've got the backdrop. It looks like New Zealand, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it's insane. The reef, If I reckon if we had that reef in New South Wales, our kings would leave them for dead. We just don't have the structure, which hurts a bit, but it still comes back to management. Oh, no, you know what? We have got those reefs, and it's called Syrox. Oh, wait, we've been locked out of there too. Oh, wait, uh, hang on. Is it up in, um, up off uh, Coffs Harbour? Oh, wait, we've been locked out of there too. Ah, what a quality place. They haven't locked up Montague yet, but I'm sure they'll try. Don't tell them about Montague, mate. These idiots. You know, it's so frustrating for us. But we get down there and we're fishing around and it's the same technique we use here in New South Wales. And we're going to, I think we should do a bit of detail on kingy fishing. So when we're chasing big kings here in New South Wales, live baits are the key. Big live baits. Big live. Squid and slime is the number one. So we caught squid on the inside. I caught the small squid. Everyone else caught the big squid. We caught some slimies and yakkers and cow and young. So now for our Americans, for everyone over there, a slimy is like a tinker mackerel, big version, or chub mackerel or green mackerel, I think they call them. And yakkers and cow and young are like a goggle eye. So that's the similarity. And squid, well, that's a bloody squid. There's no difference there. Just calamari. So we set a squid down deep on yep. double VMC, circle hooks, only use circles, and then slow trolling them. And a slimy on top. Yeah, bridled, same as what we do when you're marlin fishing. Exactly the same. And if you go back to the podcast, it's just instead of using 9-0, we drop down to a 7-0, so slightly smaller, bridle it up, do the bridle quickly, get it out, and then slow troll it, and always flatline it. So flatline it, no sinkers on the surface, because that's how you get the big kicks. bit you missed, inline circles. Do not use an offset circle. You're wasting your time. You're going to hook your bait up. You need that inline so the toe point's straight and you keep those slimies coming at you. That is a bloody good point. And on top of that, the most important part is you don't gut hook the kings. So if you let them go, there's nothing wrong with keeping a king. So don't think we're all about just let everything go. That's that's BS. We want to keep a king to eat, but we want to let them go. But the fish we let go have to be healthy. So inline circle, hooked in the corner of the mouth, perfect. And you know what? Those fish swim off because every fish is too important these days. Yeah, you want to, you're hooking them in the mouth, you can choose which fish you want to take. You know, you don't want that massive one and you don't want a tiny one because if you take a tiny one, you have to kill too many. You want that nice 80 centimetre in the middle size. Good meat, feed a few people. Yeah, and let the big breeders go. So we're slow trolling around. We've got the Merc just in gear. We're watching the sound of the old Furino because in New South Wales, you really spend a lot of time just watching down below, just watching and watching and watching, just reading that sounder, looking for bait, looking for fish, you know, to see what's going on. So now when it comes to techniques, it's pretty stock standard. You have the live baits and, you know, you rig them up on your inline circles. We're slow trolling around White Rock. Now, can you imagine how it got its name? Because it was white. Not because it's bleached, because it's covered in seal and seabird crap. Oh, yeah, it smells delicious downwind. It stank, didn't it? But you know what? It looks so fishy. This little rock, this granite outcrop pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, well, a long way offshore, weren't we? Yeah, so where we are, the seal group is about 10 miles south of Corner Inlet and about, oh, probably roughly about eight miles east of Wilson's Prom. 
so on the eastern side there. And the water, it's worth mentioning the water, how clean the water is in Victoria. Yeah, I thought it'd be a lot greener being down there and being cool. And it's so shallow, I thought it wouldn't clean out as well, but it was pretty impressive, actually. It was pristine. So like New South Wales, we've got a slimy on top, we've got a squid down deep on a sinker, but the one thing we really wanted was that surf section. So we're sounding along, you know, we've got the baits out, because normally we catch our big fish on liveies. But we're sounding along and we're watching the Furuno the whole time. You know, your Merc is just in gear. In fact, you're pulling it out of gear a lot, aren't you? Just get those baits down. As soon as you see bait on the sounder, you stop, let your live bait sink down right into the strike zone. And this is probably probably a few tips that we can really offer about catching more kinks. So when you're in New South Wales, you slow troll, you mark bait or you mark kings, which really show up on sounders like Furunos and all that. You pull it out of gear. You let your bait sink down into the zone. And for that reason, that's why I don't like using downriggers because they're already down there. But if you stop and your bait's, you know, a slimy, you're using a slimy or a yakka, as soon as those kings are on it, it swims forward and races around, tangles up on the downrigger bomb. For me, just a lead on it, get it down, and you can pull it up. And that way you're working more of the water column. Yeah, I like the technique you use with the rubber band because if you get a good fish and it really takes off, the rubber band's going to snap. Yep, get it off and get back to fighting it. You know, if you've got the sinker actually crimped on the line or anything like that, it can be end up snagging you yeah, up. and it loops over itself. You lose a bit of that strength and, you you know, kings pull pretty hard. And the other thing worth mentioning there is that we're using heavy gear. We've got Stella 20,000s or 18,000s. Yeah. We've got Suffix 100-pound braid on there. I think it is. Yeah, and then we've got on top of that, we've got... You know, fluorocarbon liters up to 150 pound, you know, 100 pound minimum. So you go pretty heavy. And, well, we found out pretty quick the kings weren't that big down there, were they? Because, you know what, Kev promised us, didn't he? He said, mate, the kings, they're all a meter down here. Oh, you don't get anything under 750. I think it took us a while to find one over that, but... Yeah. Well, we didn't find them at start. We worked the liveys for a while and we didn't find any fish. But while you're working liveys, you're always searching for surface activity. Because sometimes they're up on top. Now, in New South Wales, you get a little bit of surf section. But I tell you what, down in Victoria, when we found them, they were going off yeah, on top. They were blowing up unreal. We even got a fair few blind casting with the stick baits. Yeah, and do you know what was really interesting? The whole time, so we're sneaking over them. We still had the liveys out. We did not get a touch on the liveys. Yeah, it, I couldn't fathom how they wouldn't eat a squid. A live squid. A yeah, live squid. Even a little one down here would just smash a big live squid. Mate, it was frustrating with that. But then you get your little rooster poppers, you cast them out, you guys had your fancy stick baits, you cast it out, and picture this, you know, it's dead flat, and you get that little ripple on the surface, you look at it going, oh, that looks like fish. You go over, and there's like two, three tonne of kings just rippling on top. Chuck your stick baits in, trusty old rooster popper in there, and it's just like a hundred fish chasing it. And they were a bit doughy for a while. they were very doughy. I thought when they had a go, they had a go, but they just... We're doing that whole follow the yeah. Lord thing. It was quite interesting. But you know what? The key is their persistence. Keep working and you catch yeah. them. And, and it worked for a little while. And then all of a sudden, they're on and, and you it, start catching as them. As well with that, vary your technique. So I was using a head dip, which uh, it's just a stick bait made by Shimano. And I was trying slow, slow loop, nah, quicker loop, didn't like it. And then I tried the big paws and they just loved the paws. That is a really good hint. You know what? If it doesn't work, change it. And it was even with the old rooster yeah. popping away. Cast out. You won quickly. They weren't interested. But you bloop it and stop. Yeah. And then they hit it. In fact, they were hitting it more when it was just stationary more than anything, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, that bloody rooster popper of yours. I've never seen a lure that is uh, so well you know priced and it catches so many bloody fish. This is a plug for Halco because it is the cheapest lure. All these guys buy expensive ones. The mm. rooster popper is the yeah, one. Yeah, but it, it is a plug for them, but it's not like... Oh, I'm just plugging them because they sponsor me. They're a bloody good, good lure. Like, where else can you buy a stick bait that can catch GTs? We've caught well fish of 100 kilo tuna with them. They love them. Out of the box. They didn't even change the hooks on the ones I was using. Yeah, we probably should change the hooks, but we don't change them. We're, too, we're not going to worry about it. But it is. And what one thing that I found interesting while we were fishing down in Victoria is that 20 years ago, I left Victoria with the dream that I was going to go fishing every day. And the reason I left Victoria was because, basically, the fishing was crap. You know, there were a few snap around. There were no tuna. There were no bluefin. There were no swordfish. We so never knew they were there. What was So when you left, the snapper wasn't like it is now. The snapper's red hot down there now. Yeah, well, as a kid, it took us a week to catch a snapper because they used to dredge the bay with 
the commercial guys would dredge it. And this is an anti-commercial, but if you drag two ton of steel across the bay, yeah. you stuff it. It doesn't matter what they tell you, you stuff it. You're ploughing the paddock. Any inlet should not be allowed to have a net anywhere near it. Mate, I'm all for pro- I'm all for professional fishing. People have got to eat seafood. We should have a line fishery. It's going to make the price of fish better, and it's going to mean more fish Quality, for everyone. not quantity. Yeah, that's it. And you know what's really interesting there is that Victoria now is seeing amazing fishing. The kingies are coming back, and it's not just down at Wilson's Prom. It's around the other side. It's the... You know, in the rip, as they call it, the heads to Port Phillip Bay. As a kid, my old man caught kings there. Chris Beatty from Complete Angler in Melbourne sent me video of kings in the Yarra River. And the guys catch them on stick boats. Then you got Western Victoria between Portland and all those shallows there. There's all kings. So they're getting good numbers. The numbers are going up and up. The important thing is that Victoria need to look after them as well. And like New South Wales... You do not need five kingfish as a bag limit. Oh, that's a joke. I'm, you do not? You know what? Hand on heart, we've all made the mistake before. Me and Dad used to fish out of the kings all the time. I've killed my five. There's no way in the world I'd ever do it again. Well, I've never killed five myself for it because then if you and I went, that's 10. If there's four of us, that's 20 fish. We don't need it. But on the very same note, we also need to bring in a daily quota on commercials as well. We all are part of looking after this and we're all a part of making it right. So there's more bloody kings because we've just travelled 14 hours to go to Victoria to catch kings because the kingy fishing in New South Wales is going downhill. Yeah, we do have a problem with that sort of stuff though. Yeah, you know what? Send in and tell us, is that crazy or is that mad keen? Mad or mad keen? Just don't ask my wife. Oh yeah, that's it's just straight mad, mate. Don't ask the other half. You're always going to be in trouble there. So we're catching kings, and what's really interesting, I think we should highlight these techniques a bit more. Way you're trolling your liveys, you've got the poppers out, you've got stick boats, you must have them rigged and ready. It has to be ready at all times. Now, in New South Wales, there is an issue with this because all our marine park zones, all our sanctuary zones, all our lockout zones, it is actually illegal to have anything rigged on your rod. You can't even have a swivel. Can't have a swivel, can't have a sinker. I don't know how you're going to catch a fish with a sinker. And they charge you 500 bucks and try and give you a criminal conviction. How draconian is that? No wonder, that, what's it, 750,000 anglers in New South Wales are angry. Like, what the hell? What are these people thinking? I just don't get the whole political thing behind that. There's so many fishermen. Like, look at the amount of money we spend. Fuel, accommodation, food, because we're always too busy to make any when we're away. Yep. It's a really big tourism thing. I don't know why there hasn't someone hasn't jerried onto it oh, let's get all the fishermen here and they're going to spend all their money. And there's one thing about fishermen, they're not afraid to spend money to go and catch a fish. Regional tourism. We need to be helping our regional towns and right across the state. And where'd we go? We went to Victoria and spent it in Victoria. And they're pushing for a million. They're actually pushing money into fishing to get a million anglers. But going back to it. So we're back out the islands. We've seen the kings come out because you've got to keep that vision at all times. You know, you see them. There's not a lot of birds on them. You don't see a lot of birds down Victoria. Oh, there's a bit more than there is here. Like, we get pretty much none on them here. Yeah, but even then, there are only two or three birds. Like, yeah. I'd think there'd be, for the amount of fish they're feeding, yeah. there should be heaps of birds. Especially because we could see Sauris jumping. So you want to see that rippling. You want to see the action and then get straight round in it. And don't just race over to it. As you're coming in on it, get everyone ready because you've got all your gear rigged because you're if you're in New South Wales, and I'll tell you what, in New South Wales, drive through a bloody marine park with all your gear up and take the buggers to court because it's un-Australian to do that sort of stuff. Go straight through, and obviously you're not fishing in there until we get that reverted and get back in there where we should be fishing. But anyway, so when you race over the school, have the guys, and as you're coming in on the school, everyone's driving is going, right, you're on the port side or your starboard side, so you guys are ready to go. You're all rigged. Try and get in upwind if you've got small boats. Eh? You need If you've got small boats, you need to be upwind and then punch your car straight into it. Pull up hard. Don't cast. So some guys have this stupid thing, Jim. They try and cast before you pull up. They never reach the fish. They land short. Me? Yeah, actually, that was you a couple of times. And then they miss it. But that's all right because Jim missed and I cast and got in. Kev was driving, so I got a cast and I hooked up straight away. Yeah, just that really that get upwind thing is a really big thing. And if they're there... Even though one of my things, not that I'm an expert or anything, but throw over the top because you want your lure working good as it goes through. Yeah, not so straight in yeah, the top. Past it. If you can get over it and you're working your lure back into it, by the time it gets over the head, that lure's working perfect and they will just absolutely monster it. Yeah, and that is really good, simple advice. So you don't just race in. You plan strategically your attack. So your gear's rigged, ready to go, everything's sorted, 
and then he raced in. And also, on the very same note, clear a bit of your gear out of the way. So whatever side you're casting, as you're coming in, so say Jim's driving, Kevin and I have got the gear ready, we're coming in, and... Right, I'm coming in the port side. If there's rods in the way, move them over. So the minute you pull up, bang, you're straight in the action. And as you say, Jim, cast over it so it works through the action. And don't be afraid to use a massive lure. Like yeah. We use our quarter fish on a lure, which makes me very happy. It was a huge lure, and the fish was probably about an inch and a half longer than it. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Kings don't care. They're greedy little yeah. buggers. Yeah, they'll eat it. And that's the thing. A lot of people go match the hatch. Do you know what? Kings are greedy little buggers. They'll yeah. eat bloody big lures at times. Yeah, just gotta. You can pick their mood. Have a couple of casts. They don't come off it pretty quick. You can change up. We uh, run a split ring on the nose of our lures, so you whip out your split ring pliers and just change them over. Pop it over, and that's it. And it's nice and quick. So it's the same gear you'd use if you're GT fishing, and you know doing like and maybe a little bit lighter, more especially for the kings will catch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Have to be lighter and stuff. What I found amazing is that the whole thing, that the fishery down there, because I fished, you know what, Jim, I reckon 25 years ago, maybe almost 30 years ago, I fished those islands for rumours of kings. The water, not a king. Never yeah. saw a fish. I caught a pike that would have been three foot bloody long. It was huge. Oh, they smell great. Oh, they? they're horrible things. Now, and now I found it almost nostalgic that I go back there where my old man had been catching kings decades before and going out and catch it and so while we didn't find any big kings because they do I'll, I'll admit so we give kev a bit of grief that he promised big kings we only caught little ones i mean up to 70 but it was really interesting that we're catching kings in victoria and we catch them on top like top water kingy fishing is as good as it gets yeah i haven't fished victoria much before geez a beautiful part of the world it's a bit cold for my liking but geez it's a good spot the cold it's freezing awesome. mate it's freezing you know and we end up, so we we did that day, we fished all day, caught a heap of kings, and shot a heap of footage. But you know the funny thing? When you're filming, you can't shoot too many fish of the same. No. It sounds silly. Back in the days, Jim, when I was doing um, big fish, small boats, we did a session in Port Phillip Bay where the snapper went absolutely haywire. Like every rod. I'm talking to camera, I've got a fish, I'm about to let him go, another rod goes off, I've got two fish on. Right after, like, every rod was gone. Everything you put in the water, got a fish. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you know what? I got complaints because we caught too many fish. How's that a complaint? That's what dreams are made of that sort of day. It was awesome. There weren't big fish. We let 99% of the guy kept two to eat, you know, and bag limit was two over 50, I think it is, down there or something I like that. there's still 10 like us down there. No, no, but that's there's lots ridiculous. of smaller fish under... Under 40, I think it is. I'm not sure. Someone actually might have to send it in and tell us exactly what the right sizes are. Yeah, we need to get New South Wales sorted out. 10 snappers, just ridiculous. If we go back to it and we keep hitting New South Wales, we need to sort New South Wales out. We have potentially one of the best fisheries in the country, if not the world, and New South Wales fisheries are stuffing it up left, right and centre because they're not making any decisions. They're not fixing it. They're scared of the ramifications of people coming back. No, you need to fix it. Your job is to fix fishing. As a fisherman, I see it as enhancing the fishery. I don't believe in sustainable. I want to make it better. So if you and I go and catch 10 kings, when Coops and Tom and all the kids, all our kids go fishing, they catch 20 yeah. to make it better, not to just sustainable, because that's why I went all the way to Victoria to catch kingies. It's bloody frustrating to me. So anyway, we caught the kings, we did all, went back, and then straight back out again the next day, because the second day, you're doing all the shots to match everything up. So it sounds silly. But then we're going back through it all. So the kingies are biting. But what are we doing? We're doing pieces to camera to match all the shots to make a show. Yeah, I think we had to get all... Nick wanted some good drone footage of yep. the kings coming up on our stick baits. And that was cool. That was really cool. I'll, I'll tell you what, that is one thing that's really exciting with it all now, is with drones and with the underwater... I'm amazed how few shows actually make the effort with it. But to get that really good footage, like, so we're casting out. Nick's got the drone up above and he's filming it. And we've got all these kings, like hundreds of kings. And what you learn too, like how they behave, yeah. how fish smash the lure and how many are following it. You think there's one fish there. We saw on the drone, there's heaps of them behind it. Oh, that was a big pack of them. I think we had two lures coming in together and there was a pack on each lure. Yeah, and they're just smashing it and getting a lot of shots and then jumbling it all together and then we had to keep one fish just to eat, one fish that we had to keep to eat. We caught that, and you know what? 
there's nothing wrong. As we said before, like we're obviously advocates for conservation, looking after it, but that still doesn't mean you're not allowed to take a fish oh, home. And I that love night, to take a fish home for a feed. I love eating fish. I eat fish, you know, constantly. And well, do you know what? During the summer, I normally eat fish five nights a week, and then in the winter, it swaps over to game into, into venison because we eat venison, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Oh, yeah. So we got back, and that night, finishing the shaft, eating the sashimi, sitting on the that we got that little Airbnb yeah, or whatever is right on the Port Albert, sitting on the water, looking out over Port Albert, which is a lovely little spot, eating fresh kingy. That is as good as it gets. Yeah, that Port Albert where the inlet is there is beautiful too. And Kev doesn't realise, like, because he lives, as we're saying, just down in Traugan, he fishes there all the time. It's an hour from his doorstep. And even for the guys in Victoria, do you know what? You've got insane kingy fishing. I think it's two, three hours from Melbourne. Yeah, it's not far. It's great fishing down there. And even on the other side of Wilson's Prom, the Glennies and all that, they're catching even bigger kings at the moment. And there's bluefin out wider. And how good is Victoria? Yeah, we're the same, though. We take it for granted. We've got Sydney Harbour. What a kingy fishery it can be at times. Underneath the Harbour Bridge. Oh, I can't fish there. Yeah, I know. Oh, wait, that's another band for us. God, we're giving them a hard time this time. But you know what? That just shows what goes into a show. Just filming. Then Nick and I have to sit down, download all the data because he has to shoot main camera. We have to work audio, and audio is a massive issue. Any Even time? doing this, like, how long did it take us to get this podcast sorted? What do you mean we're professionals? Uh, we could not get it done. We couldn't get it to even work for ages. I tell you, it was driving us insane. We had so much trouble with it. It was one of those things that just went on and on and on. But we finally got it done. So if you get any complaints. Go to Jim's Instagram, and if you want any compliments, come to mine. That's lucky, because um, that's not going to have my Instagram. You might have to check it by the end of this. I reckon it might even go up, mate. You're I at 236. 237. You are on fire, mate. You I, I usually lose fire. a couple, though. Now, we're talking about eating fresh fish. It's this imbalance you get that, like, everyone lets the marlin go, and don't get me wrong, we should be always releasing marlin. But on the same note, we should be able to eat our own fish. So there's a balance, you isn't there? You know what? I'm all for letting marlin go. I've, I've never actually killed one of my own fish. Uh, last year, one of my mates come fishing with us as the chef, and he wanted to keep one. I said, it's your fish. Mate, if you want to keep it, we'll keep it. But out comes the guts. In goes a bag of ice. I get to a, another hessian bag with ice in it. Looked after it. And I'll tell you what, it was pretty good chewing. Like, and it was doing that. We're talking to James Finlay. Yep. They were doing that. I think they call it plumping when they go orange inside. So Because they're eating um, crustaceans. crustaceans. That's yeah. it. And that to me, and it doesn't matter what you go, and this is leading into the next section because we're coming out of Kingies and we're going into the next session, which is hunting. Now, a lot of people see hunting, it's got a bad name in Australia because idiots go and shoot stuff and leave it. You know what? You only shoot something to eat. Yeah. It's the same as our fishing. We let everything go, and if we keep something... We eat it. You've got to look after it, though. There's no point these guys, they go keep those big bluefins and they leave them laying on the back deck in the sun with their guts in. By the time you go to eat, it's already been cooked. It's terrible. It should be. Every, it's a respect for the animal. And for me, it makes you a greater part of the environment that you understand and appreciate that if you take something out of the environment, you've got to process it. Say like with a bluefin. You know, you it's education, lead though. it down. Yeah, because I remember the first time I caught him, I didn't know what I was meant to do. Well, remember when I caught that mako with you and you're like, this is how we do it. Off comes the head, off goes the tail, fins, we've got the guts out. Or we have this beautiful little carcass and we just pack it up with ice. It was one of the best fish I've ever eaten. That's it. And this is it. So moving in the next one, as we're saying, hunting. Now, hunting, like we say, has a, it can have a bad name, but we only hunt for food. Basically, we hunt to provide for the family. Yeah, that's it. And for a lot of people, they see that as, you know, strange or bad or whatever it is. But, you know, look at it this way. So if you go hunting, you're catching something that's wild, right? So in Australia, deer in introduced species. We've got six species of deer in Australia. Samba deer dominate. They're all through the Victorian high country. Now, they're a deer that come out of um, India. So their natural en enemy is the Bengal tiger. Jim and I are not a major threat to them. Let they're, me just tell you that. They're a pretty special animal. They are. I'll give us a bit of background for me. Hopefully, you are interested. I'm um, just new to hunting, so Al give me some deer, and I'm like, "How good's this? I'm going to get into this." So before we went hunting, I went and sat down in the range for an hour and a half, just to make sure my gun was accurate because I don't want to injure something. I want to, I just want to knock it out. I don't want it to move again. Part of respect. 
So this is the important part. The motivation for you to go hunting is to get food. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's I what it is. That I don't want to support all this um, mass production stuff. I'm not into no, that. This is, and this is my point. So something that's wild, you go and take it out of the environment, you utilize it fully. Now, what do we do when you go to war? You fight for your freedom. This, as opposed to battery chickens or something like that that have been cages all their lives, mm. that they get it and it goes in the supermarket and it says, you know, free range or something like that because half the time it's only marketing. Yeah. I, w- I feel totally at home to take something out of the environment and then totally process it down and eat it. No qualms. It's had a good life. like You know what I mean? It hasn't had to live in a cage. It's got to run around do whatever it wants. And if you do it hunting right, which I think we've been doing, I'm, I'm lucky I've um, learned from a couple of good blokes that know what they're doing. You, one shot and it's, it's finished. You, It's so important that you go sit down at the range and get your gun very accurate because you don't want to shoot something and it runs off. No, nah, well, that's I'm, just irresponsible. I'm really lucky. I've had one shot at a deer and that's the only shot I've ever shot out of my gun at a deer. So that's the thing. So Kev said, you know, we've gone down, we've done, we've shot the show, we've ticked the box, fishing with mates, season seven, Kingfish Victoria, watch it. Don't know when it's coming. I think it's later this year. But then we're straight up in the hills. And this is the beauty is that you're utilising the resource well. Now, I didn't even take a rifle because all I want to do is help Jim get his first one. And you sit there glassing. Now, it's funny. An old mate, Audie from Western Australia, when I talked about glassing, glassing means you get your binoculars, you look up in the hill and you glass the whole site looking for deer. She thought that it meant smashing a glass and going poking at someone's eye. Glassing in West Australia and glassing in the East Coast. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we got this wrong. So glassing, when I say it, just to be clear, is about scanning a hillside to find deer. And the way we hunt is you just basically walk little, look much, isn't it? So just oh, sit there, perch, it, and just glass. That's awesome. You just sit around, you're in the middle of nowhere, just looking, and the country up in the high country, all those valleys and that, it's just absolutely beautiful. And that's another point. In Victoria, you can hunt national parks, you yeah. just get a permit. This is a great style for me, is that in New South Wales, we're paying to have choppers fly around you know with our taxpayer is? dollars shooting deer and leaving them. I read an article on it the other day. $7,000 per deer on average is what it costs. If they set it up right, you'd have people, responsible people, let's put that out there, do a course when you get your permit. You can shoot this area. You've got this time to do it. People would pay $500 to go and shoot a deer. I know I would. It's just so frustrating that we're using taxpayer dollars for a resource that we're wasting. For me, the biggest thing is they're shooting these deer and leaving them on the ground. Like, let's utilise the resource. You're talking about some of the best meat you can buy. And you can't buy it. You've got to go get it yourself. But It's it's so frustrating for me that we go and do it, that listen to this sort of rubbish. It just, yeah, it's something to me that utilise. Because we eat venison now all the time it's a much it's an organic meat for all those sort of people are into all that you know where your food comes from and there's a lot of the good thing is a lot of chefs now moving across and starting to utilize it and going well where does our meat come from because if it says it's it's sustainable on the package or it says that it's grain fed that's marketing that's not always true i know exactly where my meat came from i know where my fish came from and i feel a lot better that I know exactly. I don't pick it up in a supermarket on plastic and go, oh, it says it's okay. And, well, look, since we've come back, I've eaten venison two nights. It's The meat's unreal. You cannot buy meat like that. And it's looked after. And the whole thing of, and this is it, we should go through it. So we're glassing away. It took us, you know, it took a while to spot them. Then we spotted the deer. Then we had to try and work out. Jeez, so, they're hard to spot. For deer. So oh the deer, just to give you guys an idea, for someone that doesn't understand, the biggest deer in the world is the moose. The second biggest is the elk. The third biggest is the samba. So a samba, a samba stag is a big animal. Even a even a hind is still a solid animal. And they naturally live in, you know, across India and they live in the dry environment. They were released, I think, originally in the Cooey Rup swamps down in Victoria. And now they've expanded into the high country. And instead of, although I did hear the other day they were shooting them in Victoria as well and the Howard Plains or somewhere like that, which is just absurd, they put hunters in. The hunters harvest the deer, utilise the deer, and do you know what? They generate, I think it's 40 bucks a licence or 50 bucks. Yeah. I don't know what the licence is in Victoria because I haven't paid for one for ages. I think mine's a three-year or whatever. Well, whatever it is. It just comes out of my account. You pay for the right to do it, 
but you utilize it. So we went in, we saw the deer and, you know, and we had to, you don't just race in guns blazing. We had to work out where they were going. We had to try and cut them off. It's very strategic, isn't it? Oh, there's a lot more to it than I thought. So if you're going to get into deer hunting, a little bit of advice, go with someone that knows what they're doing because what you learn on that, it would take you years to learn off your own bat. Yeah, well, I remember when I first shot my first one, I shot a Samba deer and looked at it and went, what the hell do I do with this? I didn't want to waste it. So I actually went to a butcher and said, mate, this is what we're hunting. I want to utilize these deer. How do I, what do I, how do I utilize it? What do I do? Because I want to maximize, I don't want to waste anything because it's respect for animals. And once we knocked over those deer, you and Kev got one each yeah. and it was a perfect hunt. They walked out, they had no idea, bang, bang, all down. Yeah. And then the hard work started. Yeah, especially because we are hunting the high country. So you've got to walk down oh, the steepest hill you've seen and carry all the meat. Hang on, out. hang on, hang on, hang on, mate. The Mitsubishi was parked like 100 metres away. My first don't, deer hey, I shot 10 miles away. The truth. 10 miles away from the car and then we had to carry it out. 10 miles? And I had to carry the whole deer. Well, I didn't carry it. We cut him down and harvested yeah. it out. And, oh, my God. And it was the middle of the night. Didn't know where I was going. But the great thing is we both came home from that and we were eating venison. Like that first night we meant to hang it. Yeah. And instead of hanging it, like it's like, oh, I'm going to eat it straight away. Oh, we meant to hang it. We took it marlin fishing. Oh, yeah, and that, we got to finish on marlin fishing too. I'd forgotten about that. That the whole thing is that you go and do all this and you get the spoils of the hunt. For me, it's a massive thing that we could go and go, how beautiful is this? So I came home and fed the family. So we had flame-grilled venison. So we marinated it in that cryovacted it, marinated it. It didn't even go in the freezer. Ooh. I've cryovacted it, then put Just it straight topic, on. What marinade did you eat? I don't know what that one was. I, I wrote did. them on the packet. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, uh, it was whatever. It was barbecue something. And <laughs> oh, you flame grill it. Oh, God, it was good. And then you flame grill it. If we could get the veggies right, and I'm no green thumb, we'd have the whole thing sorted. You'd just be totally... You might have to get onto your brother, Stu, about growing veggies down there. Yeah, maybe he can do it for us. But how good is it that you sit there and eat it? And even tonight, I've defrosted sausages, venison sausages... It's so frustrating because you go to New Zealand, everyone loves it because they eat everything. In Australia, we've got this 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 issue or this culture where there's it's only a minority that do it that shoot stuff and leave it. Yeah, but even talking on that point, I, so I, bu- I bumped into a bloke at work and I was telling him oh, I went and got my first deer and I was all excited about it. And he's like, oh, I should see how many in the National Park across from Guy where I live down near Cronulla and the Shire there. Oh, yeah, but you can go down and shoot them down there. I said, I wish I could. Oh, they're all full of worms. Said, Who told you these stories? I said, deers do not get worms. Oh, no, you can't eat them. I said, mate, if you let me down there to shoot on the back of your property, I'll come and take what I can. They do not get worms. It's the lazy people that could not be bothered to do the hard work to clean the deer that make up stories like that. They just want to kill. And that's an interesting one. You get that with pigs and all that. They're all full of worms. In the wild, do you know what? I don't reckon any of these animals can have all these these diseases and stuff like that. When I did it with the butcher, he taught me. He said, look at the liver. Look at this. This is how you read it. Mm. I reckon in all my life, there's only been a couple of pigs that I've gone... Ooh, not well, sure about I that. I told you after you said I forgot my gun license, I went up and we went to Dad's cousin's owner. Oh, they managed to Oh, Western station. New South Wales, yeah, yeah. on the Hay Plain there. And we shot a couple of pigs. And the boys went, with, oh, no, I said, we're taking them. Go get the car. So I took them out. And I took them back. And the boys were with, we ate all that meat. And they're like, that is the best pork I've ever eaten. Yeah. And they said, we should have kept everyone again. And I said, well, if it was up to me, we would have. So we've got in places like in the US, when you get some of those back blocks they hunt, by law, you have to take the meat out. That's you have a, to harvest it. That's a really I good. reckon we need that here. Yep. I understand for foxes and when you're shooting varmints and stuff like There's that. There's always exceptions not to gonna the rule. Do. But as a general rule, we should be harvesting every. You hunt for food. That's what it is. It's not this. If they're going out to blast away, they shouldn't have a license. That's simple. No, I, just, I don't see the point. It's a waste of time. And it, just being like, even saying that, when we, we got those two deer out and that sun dropped as we are carrying them up and it got all dark, How's the um, stars out on top of that hill when you're coming out? See, this is real hunting. It's not about... The kill actually plays a really small element in being a part of the bush. I don't enjoy the kill bit. I I love having the meat, and I love the whole glass and then hunting and finding the animals. The kill bit, you know what, I've gotten used to it. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Do you know what? That is a sign of a true hunter. That's respect, because I always feel sorry every time. And I noticed you did that when you looked down. You put your hand on him and said, thanks, mate. That's true yeah. appreciation. And you know what? There was nothing that made me... The happiest part of that whole hunt was when I went bang and that deer fell and it did not move. It didn't even kick. It was it was awesome. So, yeah. So, they don't feel anything and you get a feed out of it. And these days, 
I spend more time guiding everyone else. It's you or it's bloody Cooper and Tom and the kids and helping everyone else. You're so lucky your boys like it too. And we need to show them. It's, it's, we've got to teach them the right way because hunting is really important when it's done the right way. But it's a respect for the animal. And I know we harp on this, but it's the same as fishing. It's, I saw the other day, and this just digressing across for a second, people tagging fish, and they were sticking the tags in down the south coast there and hooting and hollering, jam the tags in the side of the yeah. fish. Sponsored anglers, mind you. Yeah, they should know better, mate. Like, I don't, don't put a really, hole in it. I don't even tag fish anymore because I don't think they do enough with the research. Well, they don't do enough for us with the research, that's for sure. I saw they used it against us in cans by a bunch of greenies and New South Wales Fisheries just let us cop it when it was totally wrong. Yeah. We've got to look after all these fish. We've got to look photo. after all these animals. It's God, you know what? What if we didn't have it? We've got to appreciate what we have. And there's a little element there where they tag just for their club points or whatever, with no respect for the fish. It frustrates me so much. And same with deer hunting and all that. You same shoot it, you eat it. That stuff too. It's it's a minority. You know, 90% I know, I know. of the people do the right thing. We shouldn't be bagging out our own. 90% do, but the ones that don't just frustrate you. And they, But they said a bad thing. And with social media these days, sadly, they can just suddenly instantly become the majority in the, in the public's mind. Because do you know what? Everything we do is now on social media. Because everyone puts it up there. They don't hide it. They yeah, put it up on there. I started mine and I've just dropped off a bit because it just... It, uh, it Should you check again? 237. Right. You might be up even higher by now. No, we haven't published this yet. Oh, right. That's right. It hasn't got air. This isn't live, so it won't come up for a while. <laughs> but that's the thing that's really important to me. We must look after it because it's too good. Do you know in other countries... So when I was over in England, there's literally no public places you can go fishing. You're kidding? No, no. All the rivers and all the ponds and all that, they're owned. You can't just go fishing. In this country, we can get away with murder with what we can do. Like other countries get blown away with what yeah. we can do. So there's all the debacle going on about bluefin at the moment. It's our right to catch them. It's no one's right. It's everyone's privilege. So if you go and catch those massive ones at Prince Edward Island, yeah, like the complete angler. Yeah, the complete angler like Phil and yeah, you know dodgy Phil. Yeah, and Chris <laughs> and Craig and all that. They all went over there. I'll tell you what, those guys go fishing a bit. They go fishing more than they're at work, I reckon. But you know what? They had to go with a commercial operator because you're not allowed to fish for them as a recreational. So you know what? I Let's appreciate what we've got. Yeah, but you we know what? We should be able to fish for them. Maybe, I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe we should have to get quota. That's fine. But, we, you know, we should be able to, at minimum, catch and release. Absolutely. And, but we have to show respect for the fish. And this is what it comes back for. If you utilise the resource, you appreciate it and respect it. If you don't utilise the whole fish... Don't kill it, but look after it so it swims away. Same with the deer. You know, I've sat there these days. I don't even take a gun half the time. I take all the meat off you, though. Don't worry about that. If someone else shoots, I'm like, I'll look after that point. And Kev, I don't think, ended up with any. He shot that second deer. I told him to take some. He's like, oh, no, I can go there and I want you boys take it. I'm like, you know. No worries. You don't have to. That's it. We take the whole I told him. I got back and he's like. I said, oh, you know, I've got all the the meat. He goes, what? Backstrap, rib, everything. You're kidding. I said, no, no, it's in the bag. And the esky goes, oh, how good is this? It is. It's unreal. And I love the fact these days of just being a part of it. You know, this whole trip so far, we've gone all the way down to Victoria, you know, caught kingies, and it's a bit nostalgic, you know, for me. Got the show done, which is always a pressure. But then Nick straight up after fishing, so I'm not talking the next day, went straight up, hunted, knocked over two deer. Because we've knocked over two deer, this suddenly means our day's got a whole lot longer. I think it was midnight before we hit the road back to... And this is it. This is the next stage. So this is this hasn't finished yet. We're now going for the final stages, and that's marlin fishing. So we've caught the kingies. We've got the deer. We've loaded the deer in the car. Now we've got ice on it and everything. Oh, and, the, and actually, they were sitting in the boat. No, we had them in the boat. We had, wanted, I think they told me they wanted to go for a marlin fish. Yep, that was it. Next, it was marlin fish. But the great thing is, as we're driving out of the property... There's wombats everywhere. There's a couple of kangaroos. I can't believe and the how deer. many wombats there were. Everywhere we looked, there was a wombat. And they're just waddling along. These are funny creatures. And then there were the deer. Oh. How many deer? We, like, I was 18 till we stopped on the side of the road to have a sleep at three in the morning. Yeah, so we drove. So the idea is we wanted to get to Eden the next morning so we could go marlin fishing to get that bite. So we drive along. There are deer everywhere on the side of the road. Now, to bear in mind, when I started deer hunting as a kid, Jim, for me, it was a massive... It was like a week in the bush to see one deer. Yeah, and you take me out my first time and I get one. That's ridiculous. But there's so many deer. Like, driving along the main road, there's a deer, there's a deer, there's a deer, there's a deer. Yeah, because we're in two cars. You send me a message. See that one? 
So that was that deer. Tying a boat along. <laughs> and it's just unreal. And then we pulled up on the road. And by this stage, we'd seen 18 deer. It was three o'clock in the three morning. In the morning. Saying, rolled the swags out because we need a couple of hours kip. And what happens? The deer start barking at How's us. How's the bark that they make? I, I told you before we went, I just want to hear one bark at me. And we'll asleep. I thought it was just before after we went to sleep. I must have been straight out. I think you got up to go to the toilet and he's bong, bong. Yeah, and they're carrying on and hooting and hollering and stuff. Sounds like a horn going off. But the funny thing is, that's on a main road. I think we're just near Orbos, near bloody, like, yeah, what's we his name, the complete angler at Orbos there. And he told me there are heaps of deer around there when I saw him last. But they were everywhere. Like they're, they're How they walk into your camp where you're asleep at night? Oh, it's amazing. Were they Samba as well? Yeah, all Samba, they come in. Samba come in all the time. They're quite curious and stuff. Or do you think they come in to have a look at you? I don't know. Maybe they know, just see how silly we are and just go... Can't believe these blokes are trying to have a go at us, you know. <laughs> Remember, they're, they're natural enemies of Bengal Tiger. Then they look at us and go, no threat, no threat. Yeah. But it's amazing. So when I used to do it, take you a week just to see a deer. Now they're everywhere. And the one thing I really do love is that more people are making an effort, learn how to utilise the meat because it is the best eating meat on earth. Oh, my wife was not interested in me. She's a bit of a, you know, greenie. You can say greenie. She's a little bit, not not full on. Wanted to try the vegan thing for a thing and a bit, and then I said, "Look, I got some of this deer from Albert. Been fishing with you. Do you want to try it? Try it." She goes, "All right, go get your gun license. You need to bring one of them home." That's it. Yeah, and that's it. And I've got friends that have always been like that. That you know, that go, "Oh no, no, we don't like hunting. I only hunt to feed the family. I provide my meat, and I love the idea of knowing where it comes from." We keep harping on this, but you need to tell people the important part. It's just educating people. And then the next step. So we've gone there. We've got up in the morning, raced down. So. Richie Abella, one of my mates, our good mates, is out fishing. He runs Dreamcatcher Charters, and he's a gun on the swords. Now, I did shows for the Outdoor Channel for um, Monster Fish, and we caught big swords. Like, he's a gun fisherman, and he's ringing me. We're driving, like, we're up at 6 a.m. We're driving the last couple of hours to get into Eden. Of course, you've got a boat full of deer that you've got to try yeah, and sort so out. to go get a hacksaw. So we go, <laughs> we go marlin fishing with samba legs in the front of the boat, all covered in ice. Like, it was just... So you remember on the last podcast when we were talking about Marlin and we're talking about that Tasman front, which is the bottom edge of the East Australian current. Yeah. That's been off Eden. The, the Marlin fishing been rubbish this year in New South Wales, but it's all down the bottom. And we're racing out. He's calling us on the way yeah. going, yeah, I've just had a bait pull up. Yeah, just had another one. Yeah, just seen them all. We get out there. I think about 11 o'clock we got out there, I think. Yeah, it was just a bit. We had to sort some deer out. We had to move some gear out of the boat. and had we get sleep. And we were pretty tired. And we get out there and the bait balling is done and dusted. It is absolutely all over. It just shut down. There was nothing happening. But we're still going hard. We needed some shots. We need to shoot some underwater for We still need some. So this is still part of the same show. Well, same same week. Same week. Same week. It's not the show. We've shot the show. And we're still going strong. And we've had bugger all sleep. And we're now down there. And you just sit there going... You know, we fished all day. And then what do we do? Drive back to your dad's at Ulladulla that night. And that is basically just one... What's well, not even a week. How many was, days were away? So we left on Thursday morning. And I think I got home on Tuesday afternoon. Because we stopped at dad's, cleaned the tables down, processed the meat. Cried That's it. Back you out. still had that to process the meat. It takes a while and people don't realise. This is the same thing too. They catch a big fish. Yeah. Don't look after it. And then start late. And then have to go home and process it. You're too tired. When I caught that big store with Richie, we went, right, let's go home. That's it. Let's start processing. Well, same as when I, I was out with my mate Simon, we kept that um, marlin. I said, all right, we've got one hour. We've got Dad another marlin. And they said, all right, let's go home. I said, I'm not going to let this thing cook in the sun. I didn't kill it. To let so it I only go caught off. the one. And I must admit, oh, I do reckon. Three. Yeah, but you only kept one. Yeah, we only kept one. Tag two. But even for me, I reckon, like, marlin are getting too important for us. You know, we've got they to be are. letting them go. And while I'm never against anyone else doing it, I wouldn't kill one myself just purely because I worry about our fisheries and how they're mismanaged and on a global scale. And then they have this idea of marine parks. They go, oh, that'll fix it. You, go, you know what? Well, that doesn't fix it. It doesn't, especially when Marlon live off the coast. Yeah. They live out on the shelf. Marine parking along the headland is going to do absolutely nothing for them. But according to those green groups and all those marine scientists that are all rant and raving and stuff, they go, marine parks make fish breed. They don't breed anywhere in marine parks. In fact, the other week in the Daily Telegraph... The Coral Sea, isn't it? Yep, bottom in the Coral Sea. But the other week in the Daily Telegraph, 
New South Wales Fisheries or the me the NEMA or whatever their marine estate crowd, MIA or so, whatever they are, idiots I call them, did a survey to prove that recreational anglers were killing snapper in a sanctuary zone. That's why the snapper weren't spawning. What a what, joke. Are you serious? What a pack of muppets. Just what a waste of time and money and they could be putting it into, you know, making better laws, slot limits. You know, we don't Listen. make a slot limit. So you don't keep the big one, you don't keep the little one, you keep the in-between one. And do you know what? You have marine parks officers. Well, actually, no, they've actually taken those out. So at least they did that. They got rid of those. So have fisheries officers that they're telling them to go and all they're doing is patrolling marine parks, sanctuary zones, to get mar and par that are drifted in there. Instead of managing and going out and finding people doing the wrong thing, they go and target them in there. Yeah, but when you find, you know, I've seen it, everyone's probably seen it before, I've caught people down the rocks taking snails and shellfish they shouldn't be. You get on the phone to ring up fisheries, no one ever turns up. It's a joke. It is ridiculous. Oh, my God, how has this podcast gone? So we started on from one thing. We keep digressing on all these things. But they're the points that people get angry about and that oh, everyone gets frustrated. It's so easy it. to get off topic. There's so many things that need to be sorted out. There's just so much, you know. And then we went marlin fishing. And I think the important thing I wanted to say about the marlin fishing was everyone thinks we just go and catch fish every time. Oh, my gosh. This year, I've gone back to my old marlin fishing ways, catching bugger all. It is just being poor because, and this is the interesting thing. I think our biggest day is a two-fish day. Yeah, when the boys, you know, when, uh, when we had the Western Australians, the when Western Australian curses, curse. the two curses came over from the West. But the funny thing there is that a lot of people have been saying there's no bait. When the current's raging, there is no bait. It all goes down the yeah, bottom. You can't swim against it. Yeah. And I heard today there were a couple of fish down on, on the banks of um, Wollongong there. Uh, not Wollongong, yeah. Jarvis Bay. Jarvis Bay. Bay. Well, Colbara, really. Yeah, Colbara and all that, which is only a couple of hours south, but it only works when there's a bit of current and the, that warm water pushes in. But when the current's running, there is no bait because all the bait feeds on the bottom edge of the East Australian current. That's where all the action comes from. It's too much work for them to sit there and swim into two or three knots of current. Well, there's no plankton bill. There's no food for them. So they all move down to where the, the food is. So, you know, they blame the bait boats and they blame everything else. It's just purely current. That's all it is. There's nothing but current, and that's the simple thing about it. And that's why I've had a bad season. But maybe this season it's going to turn around now because we might have a late season because the current's pouring down the coast so fast that once it turns around, we're going to see fish. Hopefully, this season is going to end up being a bloody good marlin season. Yeah, so it'll be just nice in time for when you head over to WA do your Monty Bellow stuff. I'll be at Bermagui catching marlin, send your text messages. The whole next month I'm over there filming underwater. I mean, that's that's, and this is what this is all about, that's how hard good. my job is. That's the tough part because I'm not actually at the Monty Bellows this time. I'm oh, actually not. down the Abrolhos doing the underwater there, filming underwater. If my bloody housing turns up this week... And how funny is it that all the stuff we do, like you're racing around, you're living out of a suitcase. That's what the job is. So everyone out there that wants to, I get a lot of kids asking, how do I do this job? The simple thing is you work your ass off for nothing and you turn around and drive away from bites because you've got to do something else. And it's about filming. You've got to work your butt off for nothing for the chance that one day you might might get something. There's no guarantees in it. Yeah, for the amount of days. So all the amazing underwater, the bait balling stuff I had a couple of years ago, all one day. Oh, same as the, um, all the bluefin dockers you got. The day me and you donged them out That's of Sydney. It. And we go for days and days. So you don't just get it. And the, the, oh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. There's a bit of age of entitlement with the younger generation. They just expect it. If you don't work your butt off, you don't get anything. And don't sit back and wait. If you want it, you go for it and you just keep going. It's persistence. It's especially, like fishing. Especially in, in the fishing world. Like you can go out 20 days and catch nothing. You get the next day and you cannot put a foot wrong. Everything you put in that water catches a fish. It's persistence. It's all about being persistent and never, ever giving up. That's what it's about, isn't it? Yep. So we can't give up. We've got to go marlin fish. We knocked over the deer. We've done the kingies. We need to go marlin fish and catch it. So that's it for another podcast. We've absolutely ploughed through this one. And a little bit different this time, I reckon, Jim. It's been a bit of a mix, yeah. hasn't it? I hope there's something in there that interests everyone. Ah, uh, look, I'm sure someone will go on to sleep. And you know what? We're looking for sponsors. If anyone out there sells pillows, I reckon we could be the perfect <laughs> podcast for you. And, of course, we've got to thank everyone. I got told off for this the other time. All the sponsors. Complete Angler, Yeti, Shimano, Costa, Mercury, Halco, Winchester, and of course, Mitsubishi. Ooh. Tell you what, that Mitsy towing it all the way down there on that boat, and all or halfway back before we swap round. It, what a little champion of a car! Oh, that car 
blows my mind that it's got that little motor in it and it just pulls. And, you know, it's quite good on fuel too. But we're pulling that massive boat. I know I had to fill up a few times. It's only got the little 50-litre tank in it. Put a bigger tank in it. That's what we need. Definitely oh, a bigger tank. There's no such thing as a too big a fuel tank. But um, it, I was impressed with it. I would have one. For the what they are, for the price, they're a great little car. That's exactly it. So tell us what you need. Tell us what you think and give us feedback. If because you want Jim the, on the show, let him know. Yes, if you want Jim on the show. And if he is the Aquaman double, make sure you let us through social media. If you don't Even, want me on the show, let him know that too. Yeah, well, we're pretty sure that's coming through. <laughs> So that's it for another podcast. Tell us what you think, because we're going fishing. I'm Elmer Glushin, and this is Fishing With Mates. Yahoo!